Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. I'm Leah Walsh, and this is Rosette, the podcast. It's Leah. Thanks for joining us today. We're talking about the sixth principle of fair trade today, which is commitment to non-discrimination, gender equity, and women's economic empowerment and freedom of association. <laughs> so it's a bit of a bit of a catch-all. But there was a couple of corrections I wanted to make from last last episode that some folks generously pointed out. I had been talking about Segundo's son, whose name is Hugo, and they're coffee growers in Peru. And I was talking about how they had been doing really great. And Segundo sent his son off to become an engineer. And I called him the right thing the first time, which is an agricultural engineer. And then for some reason, later on, I called him an environmental engineer, which is not at all the same thing. <laughs> and I don't know why I said that, because I know that's not what he is. So sorry about that. He is an agricultural engineer. But uh, yeah, anyway, that's Hugo. And, and he's based out of Peru. And he's he's basically telling them what's what on this coffee cooperative, which is pretty great. Also, I did hunt down the young lady who I was talking about who had purchased a chunk of, of her family's coffee farm, I guess, and had her own little plot. And her name's Lady. And she was actually 16, not 15 at the time. And uh, she's in Colombia. She's actually growing with a, a cooperative called the Caficultores de Anserma, I think it's called something like that. And they're, uh, yeah, they're a coffee, as as the name suggests, a coffee grower um, in, uh, in Colombia. So yeah, I just wanted to make sure I got that information for you guys. Also, I found out the technical distinction between ratifying and signing. Basically, signing is like, we plan to follow this and ratifying is like legally binding. So like, we have to follow <laughs> this. So essentially, the States is like, okay, that sounds good. But like, don't hold me to it <laughs> is what what happened with the, the UN Convention on the Rights of the Child. So just in case anyone was curious what the distinction was, I did figure out finally what the distinction was. It was basically what we were talking about in the episode, but I just wanted to clarify that. So without further ado, let's get into the sixth principle of fair trade. So once again, <laughs> I'm going to read the, the whole the whole name out once again. Commitment to non-discrimination, gender equity, and women's economic empowerment, and freedom of association. So it's actually got three different principles kind of in the same thing. So it's got non-discrimination, it's got gender equity and women's economic empowerment, and it's got freedom of association. So they're kind of like lumped together because the common thread is that you have to be able to like push back against injustice. So like whether it's against women or if it's just like workers being mistreated or if like it's people of a certain faith or like sexual orientation or like whatever else, it's sort of like it's a, an umbrella under which everyone's able to sort of like push back a bit if need be. And so I think that's why they lump it all together. But I just wanted to do some some quick defining of what all that means, because it is a mouthful and a half. And I want to make sure we're all on the same page. So when we talk about non-discrimination, um, which is the first part of it, it's basically making sure that like your personal biases or prejudices aren't getting in the way of someone being able to like have opportunities or like have agency over their life or whatever. It's basically the, the opposite of discrimination, obviously. And so for example, examples of discrimination, 
discrimination. It could be like if you don't want to hire someone of a particular minority group because of like stereotypes that you believe. Or it could be on the other hand, it could be like favoring people who um, have like traits or like identities similar to your own and then like everyone else is kind of left behind. So the first example I think of is like, for example, if if you're a white person and you like just relate to white people more or whatever, however people might phrase it. And then it just like it means that everyone who's not white then is left behind because they aren't getting those opportunities or whatever if you're hiring or whatever it is that you're doing with your position. So that's sort of like the flip side of discrimination. You're like favoring certain people and then it discriminates against everyone else, basically. There's also gender equity, um, and I'm going to separately define women's economic empowerment because, like, they are a little bit different. They kind of go hand in hand, but gender equity is basically keeping in mind that, like, each gender sort of has its different histories, and, like, you're working towards putting each gender on a level playing field as much as possible and working against gender oppression, basically. So one example could be like, say, okay, I work in this field and women are uncommon because like historically they couldn't access this kind of career. So that means that as a hiring agent or whatever, if an equally qualified man and woman show up, I hire the woman is an example of what gender equity might look like. Or if you're an employer who provides benefits, you might include services like gynecology and obstetrics, which are just completely normal things to need if you have a uterus. But because most people who have uteruses are women and they've been underrepresented in the workplace, they oftentimes will will just sort of like overlook that. So those types of services around like pregnancy and like gynecology and stuff, making sure that they're represented in any kind of decisions you're making around like benefits and things like that is an example of equity as well. The women's economic empowerment piece is a little bit more specifically around money, basically. So women having opportunities to earn enough money that like they can be independent if they so choose. And that really leads to an improved quality of life because we find often that like in situations where people have domestic violence or like interpersonal problems, like with their spouse or with like whomever they're living with, a lot of the time when they don't leave, it's because they can't financially leave. And so it's it's really helpful, obviously, to, to have a bit of a nest egg so that you can actually get out of Dodge if you need to. And so empowering women economically is part Part of it is making sure that they have uh, access to the kinds of of, uh, opportunities and so on that they can earn an income where they're able to be independent if they need to be. A couple of examples of sort of like upholding women's economic empowerment is supporting women-owned businesses or like businesses where women are holding leadership positions. Another example would be ensuring that in the workplace, they're providing opportunities for women to advance so that they can take on higher paying roles that are like more in a leadership sphere, which is good both equity-wise and financially because she's earning more money, but also her voice is more likely to be heard. So it's also like a the equity piece coming through, which is nice. And the last piece, which is freedom of association. So the ability to join groups with your fellow workers to approach the owners with like requests and complaints and stuff, basically to make sure that like if the workers are mistreated, they have some kind of recourse. It's basically the best example I can think of that is like workers are like working conditions aren't fair in this like factory or whatever. So they form a union. And then they can advocate for themselves better. Unions are incredibly common in fair trade. There are a lot of cooperatives. So people are like democratically deciding things and sort of all owners within the the business that is the agricultural business of the cooperative. And so, yeah, all of that stuff is like really common in fair trade. And when you get into like the garment industry, for example, and it's it's like a fair trade factory or whatever, almost always you've got a union there so that you can make sure that those workers in the union can advocate for themselves. 
So why does this principle exist? Well, they don't want people discriminating against each other. And so they've got a lot of protected identities that they list. So they include uh, race, caste, uh, national origin, religion, disability, gender, sexual orientation, union membership, political affiliation, HIV, AIDS status, and age. So those are the ones that they specifically list in the standard or the not the standard, sorry, the principle. So basically, you can't not hire someone because they're of like a certain religion or because they have a certain like political leaning or what have you. Um, There has to be a non-discriminatory reason that you're not hiring them. And part of the reason this exists is because like a large portion of the workforce in the developing world is made up of underpaid women. So women are in the same position as men, but paid significantly less in a lot of cases, particularly in agriculture. And plus, for the most part, women are also still bearing the majority of domestic responsibilities. So they're doing more free work at home. <laughs> so it's it's really important to make sure that like when they're doing work that is contributing to the business directly in particular, that they're getting paid for it properly and that you're paying women and men the same and, and all of those types of things. And in terms of unions, I would consider this to tie really closely into the transparency and accountability piece where you're as workers holding the business accountable or your employer accountable. So that's a really important part about accountability, because if you can't hold your employer responsible and they're mistreating you, then you just like don't really have a lot of options left. So it's really important for that to be a part of the accountability piece and a part of the fair trade principles and and the standards that they end up putting forward from the different certifiers and so on. So examples of this inaction in the fair trade community are, for example, in Ghana, Kwapakoko uh, is this massive union in Ghana that grows cocoa for the beautiful divine chocolate bars. If you've not tried divine chocolate, you are absolutely missing out. They are appropriately named. And, um, but anyway, it's delicious chocolate and it's a really cool company because the the cocoa producers actually have shares in Divine Chocolate, the company. So when you're purchasing the chocolate, it's been made from fairly traded cocoa beans and sugar and all of those different things. So of course, the farmers are getting a fair price for all of that. But also the profits of the company go back to the farmers as well because they have shares in the company. So that's pretty cool. But anyway, so they started out in 1993, this uh, farmer's union it, called Coapa Cocoa. It's in Ghana. And in 1993, they started out with 2,000 farmers. And now in 2022, it has over 100,000 farmers. And this is just like tens of thousands of farmers that now are getting fair prices for their cocoa beans, which is absolutely amazing. And so to give you an idea of sort of how these principles all kind of wind together, their union has a board to manage it because 100,000 farmers, like you need someone to, <laughs> to manage that. And so they have seven board positions. Four of them are women, including the president. So you really do see that in these principles, it all just kind of interweaves, right? Like we're talking about unionizing, we're talking about making sure voices are heard. And over half of the board is women, including the president. So that's really cool. Growing, harvesting, processing shea butter is traditionally women's work. And traditionally in West Africa, Burkina Faso is a big producer, for example, of shea butter, as is Ghana. And fair trade shea butter is a really popular commodity because it supports this sort of traditional livelihood of women, but also like making sure that they're getting a, a good wage for it. So that's a really cool uh, thing that's come out of fair trade is that like shea butter is actually quite easy now to get in a fair trade variety, which is pretty cool. The last example I wanted to give is some years ago now, I want to say about 
maybe 2015. I'm old. <laughs> I've been doing this a while. Um, I can't remember all the details because, you know, when you get old like me, you kind of lose your memory. But um, I met a woman from, uh, it was a Mexican avocado producer uh, that had come to visit Canada for a small tour uh, to talk with people about the work that they were doing in Mexico. And her job basically was marketing and communications at this cooperative because they had been able to hire someone on sort of on the administrative side to be able to do like this important marketing piece. And she got the job basically because I mean, her English was best and she was more outgoing and had better people skills than a lot of the other farmers. And so this woman was basically the the face of <laughs> this um, this cooperative and it was pretty cool. So you really do see a lot of women excelling in these sort of communications and marketing roles in cooperatives, those sort of softer skills. A lot of the, the ways in which we communicate with each other and we kind of nurture each other and stuff is really useful when it comes to communications and marketing. So you do see a lot of women doing really great in those types of positions and they're they're typically better paying positions than just sort of like tilling the earth and so on so that's a really cool thing to be seeing as well and I think I mean it's not a long episode but I think like a lot of this stuff speaks for itself and I don't want to sort of you know like (laughs) just harp on and on and on about it um but uh yeah like I think I think that's about it on the freedom of association uh gender equity economic empowerment of of women and the commitment to non-discrimination it's an important principle and and something that people are doing really great work on and um you know as a, a feminist i'm excited that people are doing great work on it so that's that's pretty cool and the next episode we're going to be talking um about a super fun um topic <laughs> which is, I say that like semi-sarcastically, it's ensuring good working conditions. So we're going to cover a little bit of the the types of things that we were talking about in principle five, where we were talking about no forced labor and so on. We got a little bit into the weeds about like working conditions and so on, but we're going to get a lot more (laughs) into the weeds in the next episode, just like talking about, you know, things like working hours and protection, like for, for if you're spraying chemicals, things like that. So tune in next time for that one. Thank you so much to everyone who is downloading and subscribing and reviewing on Apple Podcasts. That's making a big difference. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I really appreciate that. And please do keep on keep on doing that. I know that some of you haven't because there's not actually that many reviews. There's lots of subscribers, but not not as many reviews. So if you could just leave a five star rating, that would be amazing. Um, It would be even more amazing if you could write a few sentences for a review. That would be absolutely awesome. Um, And I really appreciate your your support with that because it helps so so much yeah so thanks for joining me today and we'll see you in the next one bye bye for now